Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Uh, welcome people, uh, whether you're online, whether you're visiting, whether you're exploring faith, whether you're exploring the church again, uh, it is great to have you in the room or online whenever you might be watching. Uh, we trust that today we are encouraged by the heart of God, that we are stirred by his presence and his faithfulness. Um, over this year we've explored the rhythms of life, we've uh, been invited into a deeper relationship with and to delight in him, to know that God delights in us. And over the last month, we've had a real focus on our mission, particularly our mission partners, having a variety of guests and speakers uh, amongst us as well. We've heard the stories of people and the diversity of stories of people who have lived out of relationship with God and responded in obedience to his calling and to his purpose in their lives. And we've heard the diversity of uh, struggles and tensions and difficulties and joys and celebrations in the midst of all that. One of the things that we want to do in that is to recognise the partnership that we share globally. And we invited people to respond um, financially, particularly, because that's something that we can measure, but it's also an invitation into prayer and into relationship. Uh, But just to give you an idea of some of the uh, responses that we've received, uh, so many of us would have taken home uh, mission-focused bullets that gave a highlight or recognition of our mission partnerships and some of the challenges, uh, some of the stories that they hold. So you can hold that as a prayer, as a reminder into prayer. Uh, we received uh, towards the end of uh, July, we received uh, 34 responses uh, and a few of those responses um, mentioned the partnerships they were already part of but had no financial commitment on those as well. We received financial commitments, everything from $2, when I saw this card, that excited me, everything from $2.50 a week. Someone had declared that they were going to be faithful at $2.50 a week, and other people have declared up to $100 a week, and every card that we received, many of them would have also um, had uh, expressions of multiple partnerships that they're a part of. Many cards that we received of these 34, it wasn't simply one uh, partnership, it was multiple partnerships, which was really exciting as well. Uh, so these are our partners, these are our five, uh, our Asian field workers. Uh, we've had to reframe that because of security reasons with that partner. Um, so hopefully uh, if you can't join the dots come and ask one of the team and we'll help you join the tots particularly you should be able to work it out if you go out to our missions board as well, missions wall um, open doors for the persecuted church the Andrews family uh, the Morels and the Tanners you can see that quite clearly um, a commitment of uh, 42 not not quite $43,000 one of our visions in is to see every single one of these partners receive $10,000 a year And by 2032, every single one of our partners, regardless of how many we have, will be receiving a total of $20,000 per annum from us uh, and the life and the ministry of the church. We've also got a a vision uh, to see five families or five people released into global mission to be sent out to serve in the next five years. And we, you know, I can't do that because I can't kind of twist your or make you go to some place of the world. Um, no, I can't. Um, 
So uh, that's a gift of God. We believe that we want to be uh, mindful of. We've got a heart for mission. We've got a long history of a heart for mission. And we want to continue to uh, grow in partnership in that as well. So um, our local... Um, we, we contribute out of our finances. We set aside a budget item as well as that. So already have a budget. I think it's, I think I've forgotten. Is it three? Is it not quite? Where are you, Lockie? I can't, can you remember? Is it or can you remember? Carol's? Yeah, somewhere there. Um, somewhere between $1,000 and $3,000 carols each year out of our budget. Emergency Food Centre, we contribute out of our budget, but you can see that. So you can see the local partners total as well. We also contribute to our college chaplaincy, Horsham College Chaplaincy as well, um, and uh, lots of volunteer hours through Mealbox and carols and Emergency Food Centre as well. So you can see our mission partners total is uh, 45480 um, from those 34 responses that we received this year. Another 30 other organisations that were started because of your particular interest, because of your particular relationships. So uh, you can see the broad scope of relationship and conversation. Some of those are because of relationships. Some of those are because of where you've travelled or um, passion that you have. So more than 30 other organisations supported. So you can see global partners, uh, the local partners, and then the other 30 other organisations uh, have received a commitment of $25,000, which gives our total mission support at $73,000 for the year ahead, um, which is exciting. That's a, a great uh, beginning place, a great foundation to keep moving forward. As well as that, there's more than uh, about 34 children that are sponsored across eight different organisations um, and those numerous countries in the world as well. So that's our mission response. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yep, it's great. Um, that's, our, that's our partnership response. And that's one response that we make. Uh, it's easy to highlight uh, the financial response, I suppose. It's something tangible. We can, grab, we can grab that, we can see that, we can touch it for one of a, a better word. Um, but you might have heard too um, or seen uh, sports stars and you hear commentators say, this is someone who's on a mission. You know, the disappointment of the Olympics from four years ago or the Commonwealth Games and they just missed out. So those people are on a mission to uh, achieve something greater, achieve the next step, to take the next step in what, who they want to be and how they want to achieve. They're on a mission. I don't know about you, but I love the espionage movies, the kind of... Um, yeah, violent movies at times. Um, <laughs> uh, I love some brutality in watching movies. I don't know what that is. Um, and, but it's also, uh, you know, you hear those people that um, have something, a personal vendetta, and so they're someone on a mission because they have a personal vendetta to take somebody out or recover their family. So some people are pursuing a prize and some people are taking out a personal vendetta, holding on to their anger. Um, but an attitude in our mission and the work that we do has a huge impact on what they leave behind. We've probably all heard stories of sports stars who might have achieved great things, but they leave behind a mess of relationships. We celebrate Judith Durham and Olivia Newton-John because of what they have left behind, because of the relationships, because of how they have loved people and cared for people. The people who leave behind just 
and touch. And I want to invite us today, whether you're new to church, new to faith, faithful servant of Jesus, I want to invite us to consider our mission and what we are invited into as a, as a purpose of our being alive. What does it mean to be alive? What is the purpose of being alive in so many ways, and particularly in the context of work? Now, when I use the word work, I want us to think about work in the terms of what is it in the context of that fills your days, all right? What is it that fills your days? What do you give your time and your energy to? Some of that might be at employment, that's obviously a definition of work that we have. You might be a stay-at-home parent. You might be retired. You might be in between. You might be uncertain. You might be still studying. You might be unable to, um, uh, or because you're restricted according to health issues, you might be a volunteer. What is it that fills your days? This is the context of your work. All right, so everyone, so if you hear the word work, don't switch off because you're not getting paid the big bucks. Um, all of us have work in some expression. Yeah, you're with me? You follow me? Okay. Um, so I want to suggest that we're created to serve and we're invited to mission, not just because we give to certain aspects, vision of how we engage and participate in community how we engage and participate in neighbourhoods, in our families, in our workplaces, in the community organisations. We are participating in an act, uh, attitude of mission, and we are invited to serve in that time, place and space. And this can be a reflection to engage in any way, whether you're a school student, whether you're a uni student, whether you're employed, in our homes, our organisations, sporting clubs, as I said. So here's a, some reflections. As we think about moving deeper in relationship with Jesus, does the attitude that I go with, the attitude in which I engage with the community, does it reflect or grumpy long period of time and just maybe cynical or jaded, or is my attitude reflect who makes all things new? Am I motivated by my peers? Am I motivated by the ones around me and the pressures that they feel? Is my heart set on the same things? Am I checking my paychecks? Am I checking what other people are doing? Am I comparing myself to how other people are responding or the sense of unfairness about how they're doing things compared with how I'm doing things? Or am I living out of the image of of God? Am I living and working and, uh, in the context of what is temporary? So I'm working for the short term, I'm working for this minimal amount of time in the hope that I can go on holidays, in the hope that I can retire well, um, which is simply, you know, all going to come to an end, whether we like it or not. I don't know if you recognise this, but at some stage, yeah. Uh, or are we living with a perspective of an eternal mindset? That the things that I do now impact and shape for eternity, things that I might not see, fruit that I might not see. Certainly we hope to see an impact, but actually is in my mindset in an eternal kingdom. Am I about to serve my own purposes 
And do I respond out of my own purposes and my own frustrations? Or do I serve to bless others out of the glory of the one who has created me in his image? This is the framework and the questions I want us to explore and be thinking about. And if you're stuck in one of those questions, maybe you need to uh, just, you know, stay there. Stay there and ask the Spirit to do a work in you. That's, That's all right. All right? See, workplaces or families, we all know and can give examples that have such an ingrained culture that people are worn out and discouraged. We go round and round the merry-go-round with the same conversations and nothing seems to change. And a lot of it might have to do with our mindset. I don't get, I can't have, nothing shared, or it's someone else's fault. Rather than coming and going, all right, God, well, this is really difficult. And I'm not, that sounds really easy. I know it's not easy. But what is the attitude that we bring into our homes, our community, our workplaces? Because we've all heard stories of places, including churches, that have been divided by pride and selfishness. And we want to hear stories, and we know there are stories that are there of people who humble themselves to change, but also stick at it despite the challenge, because we keep an eternal perspective, an eternal mindset, and we have unity with a single-minded purposes, single-minded purpose to be one in Christ, to see workplaces, homes, schools, and community redeemed, but we cannot do that without carrying an eternal vision. One of the greatest challenges is that often we just play around here on the sand and we don't have an eternal vision. We're not willing to go out into the depths of what God promises. The question of work, purpose, value and identity are a common thread throughout history. One writer says Ecclesiastes, which means the teacher, uh, commonly accepted to be written by Solomon, perhaps the wealthiest king that have ever lived, the, one of the wisest men to have ever lived. He, he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I brought I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. It's impressive, isn't it? He had a lot. He actually finishes this phrase by saying, and I had so many women who loved me and in all this I maintained my wisdom. See, what I want to say here, there is nothing wrong with building. There is nothing wrong with accomplishing. There is nothing wrong with achieving. There is nothing wrong with um, expanding our thinking. There is nothing wrong with uh, pursuing objectives and dreams. That's not what we want to squash. Actually, we should increase that because that's the heart of God. There's no doubt about that. Not disputing that at all. This is not an invitation for us all to shrink back. This is actually an invitation for the church to rise up, to re-energise our community and to bring new life, knowing that we serve, work amongst and live for one and work for one who has done all of creation. 
And in that, he gives us the creativity and the energy and the thought to be able to contribute to that. That's exciting. I'm not sure you're capturing the excitement just the same way, but that's okay. Um, we might not, like I don't, I read that and I don't comprehend the access that Solomon had to resources. But I can identify with our capacity or a desire to work, to contribute, our purpose, our freedom to achieve, build, create, administer, care, design, plant, research or restore. And being paid for it is an absolute bonus. We see that as a right. And I know we've got unions and like we see that as a right. I want to suggest to you being paid for our work is a bonus. And particularly as followers of Jesus Christ. Work for work's sake is absolutely soul-destroying, is it not? Absolutely soul-destroying. This wisest man who ever lived, he goes on to say, I denied myself, no, I decided myself, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labour, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> my kids come home and they say, oh, I've got my insurance bill, I've got this bill. I go, yep, welcome to adulting. You know how you were so quick to want to grow up? Welcome. Even with all the resources, the expansive resources that Solomon had available, he recognised that apart from God, it was meaningless. Jesus actually asked the question in the Gospel of Matthew, what good is it to gain everything? Sorry, what good is it to gain everything the world expects and lose yourself because of it? Solomon actually goes right on. I've abbreviated this because it was a bit of a long-winded moan. Um, he hated life. Work was grievous, meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things toiled for under the sun because he has to leave it to the one who comes after him. And who knows what they will do with it? What a waste. And I've actually got no say with what they will do with it. I've built all this. I've created all this, all my thought, my energy, my resources, my passion. And who will care after me? My heart began to despair. Wow. A person may labour with wisdom, knowledge and skill and they must leave it all they own to one another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. Inspiring, man. <laughs> what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving? Work is grief and pain, even at nights. Their mind do not rest. This too is meaningless. Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> Stay with me. Um, and I've already commented on what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We give so much of ourselves to work. We put so much attention into work. We put so much energy into work. Actually, in many conversations, 
work takes priority. And over the last couple of years, and what, what we've, we've actually shrunk back into ourselves in many ways, because all I have the energy for, all, the only emotional energy that I have is for work and my family. And work has become such a priority, and I wouldn't even say that it's become a priority to an eternal vision, but it's become such a priority in terms of the expectations that other people place upon me. And that kind of work is soul-destroying. And it leaves little room for other things and for other expressions of life. Author Parker Palmer, if you've never done any reading with Parker Palmer, I'd recommend, uh, he's an incredible author, I think, an incredible thinker around work. And he writes in his book, Let Your Life Speak, um, suggests that our vocation or our work, our paid work, is not a means to an end. Uh, It's not simply about doing a job and getting pay. And it isn't living up to everyone else's uh, expectations, but living out of who we are. And he writes, our deepest calling is to grow into our authentic selfhood. Whether or not it conforms to some image of who we ought to be, true vocation joins self and service where your deep gladness meets the world's deep needs. Wow. What if your work was meeting the world's deep needs combined with your deep gladness? We don't have to go over the sense of uh, the upheaval and the changing world and everything that we have been familiar with has been stripped away, but this is, this is true also in, uh, throughout the course of history for the people of Israel. In a time where they were going through upheaval, where they'd been taken out of their temple, they'd been taken out of their hometowns, everything that they knew had been destroyed, everything that they knew and experienced had been taken away from them. And in a time of that upheaval, Jeremiah speaks to the people of Israel and he says to them, while you are in exile, while you're uncertain of the future, while you're uncertain of when it might be that things will get back to normal by going back to Jerusalem, he says, where you are in Babylon, the enemy's hometown, they've been taken back to their enemy. The Babylonians are just people you don't want to be with. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Do not shrink back. You are still the people of God. I still have purpose for this community. I'm still revealing my heart, my passion, my love for this community, says God. I think this is actually a great call for the church now, for people of faith now. Do not shrink back. I know that we're lacking energy. I know that we're emotional and weary. weary. Okay, who is the one who will restore and redeem and bring about such life and energy in us that we shine that light in dark places again? Who will, which organisation, which group, which group of people will take that hold of that vision again? Also, seek the peace 
and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What if the people of God, in whichever city we're a part of, whichever city we're working in, whichever city we filled our day-to-day activity, we were so passionate about our prayer for it, so passionate about establishing life-giving, life-changing, redeeming qualities in it, that it prospered. Our work, our day-to-day activity, what we give ourselves to, is designed to bless community in such a way that it contributes to the eternal purpose of redeeming creation. As I am transformed by Christ, we are transformed by Christ, and we transform the environment around us. It is an act of serving as the body of Christ. And I know as I look around this room today, as I think about those who might be watching online, there'll be a number of people who will be going, you don't know what I have to go through. No, you're right, I don't. But I know the one who does. And I've said that before. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the circumstance is going to be any easier. And I'm not going to promise that your circumstances are changed by this message. But what I want to do, what I want us to consider, if we're actually paying any attention in this room, is to consider what is it about my heart and spirit that God wants to change so that as I go back, I bring a different spirit, a different light, a different blessing, a different hope into that space rather than be ruled by that space, I set the tone and the temperature for that space. And I don't know some of us are slogging it out. I get that. I'm not naive enough to say it's all bells and whistles and roses. I know we're slogging it out. But we slog it out and we bring into space, the hope and the glory of a God who is still setting about renewing things and redeeming all of creation. We are the representatives. If we have declared Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we are our representatives. And we are not alone when we go from this place. I know you'll go into some places and I know some of you will go in and I know you're sitting here and I can hear your brains. You're going, Simon, I am so lonely in that space. Remember this moment. Remember the words that we've sung. Remember the invitation that Nev gave to us. We are the people of God, creating his image for his likeness and his likeness for his glory. And what is it that we need to lay down so that Christ can bring his healing into our lives and therefore into our community? Because it's very easy to look at everyone else. You know, humanity is beautiful. People, not so much. But what is it that God needs to do in me so that I can bring a different spirit here? Because it's very very easy to look at everybody else. That's the easy part. We are created to serve because of who we are in God. Uh, Colossian, uh, Paul writes to the Colossians church and he says, slaves, let's, you know, other translations might say, if you're at work, Whatever you do, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. 
I haven't seen that before. Curry their favour. Which version of the Bible did I copy and paste that out of? Um, But with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, whatever you do, whatever you do, it's not pick and choose. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for the human masters. And then just as I read that again, work at it, whatever you do, work at it as an expression of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Masters, just, you know, so we include everybody. If you're a boss... Provide your slaves, your workers with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And some of us are masters of our own kingdoms, our master of our own time, master of our own day. All right. You've still got a master in heaven. (laughs) And as the church took seriously what they were created to do, as the church took seriously... In a world that was being overrun by an empire government, in a ruthless government, in a brutal government, this message started to take hold. And people started to say, we carry the hope of Jesus. My life is changed. And because my life is changed, other people's lives were changed. Because other people looked at these slaves and these masters and said, hey, hey, that's not the way we do business. And they said, it might not be the way the empire does business. It might not be the way that the world does business. It is the way that I do business. It is the way that I work. It is the way that I participate in relationship because I am a follower of Jesus. And he has changed my life. Have we got that kind of boldness? Have we got that kind of humility? And again, I don't care what age you are. If you're at school, you can say this. If you're at home, you can say this. If you're at university, you can say this. If you're at home, you can say this. And again, it won't change the circumstances. It might actually mean people will give you a harder time. Yep, hang tough. Hang tough. Remember the one who went to the cross and was still able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. But their value, the early church, their calling or their purposes were not in their position. It was not in what they did, but it was discovered in the one who transformed them. The one who transformed them. So the writer of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man, the richest man, the wealthiest man to have ever lived, gets to um, the end of his writing, the end of his teaching. It's a fascinating. He's tried everything. He tries everything. He tries anything. I've just focused on work. It's a fascinating read if you haven't read it through all at once. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. It's not just your actions that God will judge. It's the attitude. It's the mindset. It's the motivation that God will judge. What's your intent? What's your purpose? And actually here um, in verse, keep his commands for this is the duty of all mankind. Other translations say, this is what it means to be human. To be human 
is to live out a relationship with God first. This is what we were created for, to live out a relationship with God first, last, and everything in between. See, so many of us in lots of ways and numerous conversations will... um, will be reflection. I'm waiting for the next thing. I'm waiting for God's grand plan. I'm waiting for God's grand purpose. I'm waiting for his calling. I tell you what, some of us will be waiting for a long time because we're not willing to live faithfully in what we're doing now. We want everything to change around us before we will trust God with who he is. And therefore we never discover what God might have for us next. What if your grand calling, what if your grand purpose was where you are now? Could you live such a distinct, faithful life that it blessed the community and brought prosperity to others, but also brought others to discover that that person has lived such a life as a follower of Jesus I need to know more. What's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe it's to serve others out of love. Maybe it's to give up something that you've been pursuing out of your own heart and out of your own sense of pride. Maybe it's to repent of an attitude, a behaviour, entitlement, an expectation that isn't of God. Maybe your next step is to confess poor behaviour or an attitude Repent of poor behaviour or attitude in our day-to-day context, in our sense of whatever it might be. Maybe it's your next step is simply taking responsibility for my actions, your actions, understanding that the only way things will change is if God is changing me, transforming my heart. Maybe your next step is to forgive a boss, forgive a colleague, acknowledge that you're not the boss, is to serve faithfully and to lead well, even though you're not the boss. Maybe it's to recognise what is in your control and what's not in your control. Maybe your next step is to serve as a person of peace with a kingdom-minded influence as you go into that place tomorrow or even as you go home today to be that person of peace. And it's to keep, maybe it's to, your next step is to commit to keeping uh, a Christ-like example, even if you feel like you can't change the culture. Maybe you will determine to serve, to find ways to bless your co-workers because of who you are in Christ. Maybe your next step is to decide to be fully present, knowing that we all have bad days. But to acknowledge that. Maybe your next step is to cheer a colleague on, is to buy them a gift, buy them a coffee, do something surprising. What if your next step was to do the job that nobody else wants to do? Even if you're not paid for it. To clean something up, to tidy a room in a good spirit. I don't know, something small, that sounds really lame. I don't know. (laughs) What if it's just to do the small things well? What if your next step was to be the person who 
brought some joy and some hope in serving because you lived out of your rest and your peace and your hope in God. We all know our world's messed up. (laughs) Yeah? I need to be a person who carries light into these places. And I hope that you might join me in it. I hope that we might look about it as our team comes up and consider what it is to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit. What is it to be someone of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, thoughtfulness and goodness? To bear the fruit of the Spirit. Not according to the ways of the world has done it, but according to the heart of the Father. Out of the heart of the Father, that overflows. Could today be the day that you mark as the moment where you declare your life surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. If you haven't done that before, the opportunity is to step out of your seat, come down and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe today is a day where you mark a moment where you've carried an attitude, a mindset, a behaviour that doesn't reflect God. And yeah, I know there's plenty of other people who have influenced that, but maybe today is a day where you mark a moment that say, I can't carry that anymore. I can't compare myself, I can't measure myself, I can't point to other people, I need God to change me. Maybe I'm the person, you're the person who has said that you follow Jesus, but maybe my life hasn't reflected. I need to confess that, to lay that down, so that God can bring healing into me, into my relationships, and the relationships that I share in. Maybe today marks that moment for you. And as our team lead us in our final song, that God is our living hope, our salvation. We want to invite you again, as we always do, to respond in prayer. Or maybe you just want to come and move out of that space and just really, no one will see you, but just come and kneel down. Maybe you just need to come and sit in a different space and move into that space and say, right, God, this moment. And then ask someone to hold you to account to it. Just This is what I've decided today. Will you pray with me? Will you walk with me? Will you encourage and cheer me on? Could today be that moment that you mark down for the rest of your life?